Journey to Organization, episode 111, Joanna Shebson, Fun in Jerusalem. You're listening to the Journey to Organization podcast with Rebecca Saltzman, advice to help you clear your clutter and your mind. Hello and welcome to Journey to Organization. I'm Rebecca Saltzman from Balagan Begone Personal Organization, and today I'm talking with Joanna Shepson from Fun in Jerusalem. Joanna is a mother of three who made Aliyah with her husband in 2007 from Los Angeles. She started Fun in Jerusalem as a blog, and it turned into a successful and dynamic tourism website. But Joanna still checks out all the events, attractions, and services she can so she can recommend those that she really believes in so that you and your children will enjoy your trip in Israel. Her advice includes the latest scoops on what to do, when to go, what age is it for, how to get there, what's nearby, how much does it cost, and all the information you're going to need to have fun. Welcome, Joanna. Well, thank you. How are you? I'm great. I'm so glad that you could talk to me today. Uh, tell us, how did fun in Jerusalem start exactly? So I made Aliyah, um, now it's about almost 12 years ago, with two little kids, a three-year-old and an eight-month-old. Okay. And I basically found that at the end of the day, when school was over, when God was over, I had to entertain them. So I started doing, taking them out to different places. And then um, I started writing about it. I was like, oh, I might as well start a blog. Okay. Took a, a course in, in blog writing. Okay. And, um, and the truth is the way it really, really started is I called my sister and I said, I've got an assignment for my blog class. I need to start a blog. What should I call it? And she's like, call it fun in Jerusalem. Oh. And that's how it started. So thanks to your sister. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my sister Allison, who's still out in LA. Yeah. Um, and, and then slowly people started asking me more and more questions and sending me emails saying, you know, what's going on in the Jerusalem Theater? Or are there any concerts happening? And I realized that if I added a section with a calendar, it would be really helpful to those of us who made Aliyah who like to search in English. Oh, great. That's awesome. All right. So tell us more about what exactly Fun in Jerusalem does exactly. <laughs> So now Fun in Jerusalem has really grown and, and it's become a full um, tourism website for the city of Jerusalem um, okay. focused on family tourism. So things that families would want to do if they came to visit. Okay. Um, do you actually work with the Jerusalem Tourist Ministry? Like, are you a collaborator with so them? So I'm not a, I can't say I'm an official website because their okay. official website is I Travel Jerusalem. Okay. But um, yeah, I go to all their events and I get all their um, press releases and they, they kind of, they know I'm around. They know I exist. They're happy I'm doing it without asking them for any money. Ah. So <laughs> they're just happy I'm, I'm pushing Jerusalem and really, you know, giving people the, the feeling that this is a great tourist destination for kids and families. Okay, great. So what, so still, what does it, what do you do exactly at Fun in Jerusalem? Okay. So I would say Fun in Jerusalem is an information website. It okay. can, gives you a listing of all the different activities that you can reserve um, based on the, the category. So like what food workshops or art tours or extreme sports. Um, and then through the website, I give you all the information you need about the activity, the prices, and allow you to make a reservation, which actually gets made directly with the vendor. They'll oh, get back great. to you directly. 
Okay. Yeah. So I'm not a tour operator. I like saying I'm not a party planner. I'm just the person. I'm a really good shadchan. I'm the ah. one who introduces you to the right places. Okay. That's great. Uh, so do you list like all manner of things like from free to like super expensive? Is there like a limit to how high your website will go? Yeah, I list everything because what I've learned really quickly is that there are so many different types of tourists. Mm -hmm. um, so I definitely list free events and free activities. I also list things that might be super unique but expensive. Like, for example, the newest thing I have is a boat ride on the Dead Sea, which is incredible. Like, wow. it's a photojournalist takes you out on a boat. You have get the most incredible pictures. Now, it's expensive because his cost is expensive to right. take 12 people out on a boat. Okay. Um, he actually, he has to rinse off the boat every night so that the salt doesn't destroy the boat. Wow. Um, and he's got major insurance. So like it's expensive, but it's a unique activity. So I wow. love sharing cool. things that you can't do anywhere else. So you're also extending the range of activities outside of Jerusalem because Dead Sea is not exactly in Jerusalem. Right. So basically, I feel like Jerusalem's a place where a lot of people will base themselves and then it, we, they can go on a day trip to the Dead Sea or to Beit Shemesh or the Gush or Malayadumim. So I do list places. Every once in a while, I'll list one or two things in Tel Aviv, but not often. Uh -huh, um, okay. I feel like Tel Aviv's a different... If you're going to spend time in Tel Aviv, chances are you're staying around there. So. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. So no chance of listings for here in Haifa. Oh, uh, I just went to Haifa. I went to a delicious cafe with my kids. I can't remember oh, where'd what you it's go? called now. A milchik place. It was so sweet. It was so. It was like in a garden. Um, oh, Gal's Bakery. Yes. 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 Oh, that's the best it. bakery in all of Haifa. In fact, it. it's like the high. First of all, Haifa has the most bakeries per capita in all of Israel, and oh. Gal's is like the most highly rated. Oh, so cool. you picked a good spot. Gals is delicious. Um, you know what? You're reminding me of a, a really important tip. Yeah. When we were in Haifa, we went to the science museum. Oh, Maratech. Um, yeah. The Maratech. And we actually bought membership at the Maratech. Okay. And they told us, they gave us a list of a whole bunch of different museums around the world that we now have access to by having the membership to the Maratech. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great tip. And it's true if you live in like America too, that like if you buy a yes. membership to certain museums, they give you sister memberships to other museums. So if you have a membership to a, sci a local science museum, when you get to Israel, you should check. But it could be that your membership will get you into the Jerusalem Science Museum and to the Madatech um, oh. and to maybe even the Children's Museum in Beersheba. Wow. Okay. Great tip. That's a good tip. I'm, that's a good one. <laughs> Okay. So obviously this is a podcast about organizing. Let's talk about how to organize a trip to Israel. Okay. So the first, the first question I always ask someone, um, cause very often I'll get an email. I answer all the emails for the website, which can okay. get a bit overwhelming, but it's, it's so important because I really get to know what people are looking for. Right. Um, and my first question is always, what type of a vacation are you looking for? Do you want to hire an agency who will plan every single thing you'll show up and they will know where you're going, when you're going, how you're going. And okay. they'll tell you, do you want to hire someone who could help you plan an itinerary? So, you know, your itinerary is realistic, but you're going to be driving it yourself and kind of making your own reservations for restaurants and things like that. Okay. Or are you really a do it yourself? You want to save money or you really enjoy doing it yourself and you just want to know what activities are cool and fun and you'll make the reservation yourself and set it all up. 
um, you rent a car, figure out how to get to each place and kind of do it on your own. So okay. You need to know what kind of traveler you are first. Okay. Let's just talk about renting cars for one second because I just want to say as like a pro tip, you have to pay, buy the insurance here. It's mandatory and it's not cheap. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, I can't say that I have a lot of experience renting cars here, but, um, but I do know actually that there is a website called Noah's Car Rental. Okay. Um, I want to say, I don't know for sure. I want to say it's noahs.co.il. Okay. And they specialize in um, helping you figure out the right, car rental and the right insurance based on the credit cards you're using and based on your insurance that you have back at home. Oh, okay. So like they, they help you with that. It's Excellent. Not, it's not, I'm not pushing anyone, of uh, course, anyone I work with. <laughs> I just, it's a good tourist tip. <laughs> oh, great. That's a good one. Okay. So let's say we go with a full service agency. Then we basically show up and they do it for us, right? Right. They just tell us where to show up. They've handled everything. If we go with like the middle package, which is like where we hire a tour guide, we work in tandem with a tour guide to make like the best itinerary for us. Yeah. And also like you can have a little more say into what you're doing when you're working with a tour guide. I find the the first stage, the one where you're like, they're doing everything for you. You're going to yeah. do more of the traditional activities, okay. not some of the off the beaten track stuff. Okay. Um, but the second one, either you can hire a guide and they can help you put an itinerary together, or you can just hire someone who's an itinerary planner okay. and they can help you do that. So okay. we, we do offer that service of planning the itinerary for you. I work with someone um, named Tamar who specializes in that. Okay. Um, and uh, she can kind of just give you, you know, tell you like, okay, don't do the, um, let's say, don't do something in Tel Aviv on the same day that you want to be at Masada. Right. Like something that you might want to know if you looked at a map, but if you don't live here, it's not like common sense. Right, right, right. Because also it seems like because Israel's so small that things are closer than they really are. Yeah. Um, okay. No, and also you, you need to know what, what time of year you're coming. Because if you're planning a trip, many people plan their trips for like Holomoid, Sukkot, or Pesach. Okay. So, um, you know, and, and there's going to be tons of traffic then because right. the entire country is on vacation the right same day and exactly. the old city will be closed to cars so if you plan to scavenger hunt in the old city that's great but you have to plan to walk there to get to it uh-huh what about buses so um buses into the old city are few and far between like okay. there are but it's it's hard to get and i happen to like love the bus system my my 15 year old son taught me about how to take the bus here and he's okay. amazing he goes anywhere okay um and i also love the train system it's still working its kinks out but it's like getting much 25 better minutes you, yeah you could be at the airport in 25 minutes right, Literally, right it's amazing right. so do you recommend that people get the ravkov which is like a travel pass for the buses yes definitely because it's free to get the ravkov, that RAVKOV yeah, it may it may cost you five shekel for the actual card itself, uh -huh. um, but there there are stations around town, Ravkov stations. There's an office in, uh, for sure, in the Hadar Mall in Talpiot in Jerusalem, uh -huh. and I think also um, don't all the, the bus stations central have central bus station? Yeah, yeah, the central bus station and the central train station also has a Ravkov. Right, because um, I know that also the, in Haifa yeah. you can get that in Haifa also, at the bus station. Yeah, yeah. 
I personally think if you're going to get a Ravkov, go into the train station because train station now in Jerusalem is so clean and quiet. Because <laughs> it's and, like, new. No line. It's new. <laughs> it's and they'll go there. It'll be a great experience. You'll get your Ravkov and then you'll leave the train station and go do what you need to do. Okay. Do you recommend that families get one Ravkov or more or like individual? Because you can get like a, a no picture one. Right. You can get an anonymous one. Right. I think as a tourist, you do get an anonymous one because okay. otherwise you have no have to ID number. Your ID. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you can do that. But you just should keep in mind, like, if you're going to be, if, you know, what type of package? Are you just putting money onto it or are you saying, I want a certain number? I'm going to use like five or six buses a day. Then you mm-hmm. should get something that might be a monthly package. Right. Okay. Um, but the person at the Ravkov stand will know um, what's best for you if you explain to them what kind of traveling you're doing. Okay, great. So just be specific with what you're doing and you'll get the right answer. <laughs> I think also, exactly. Hopefully you'll get the right answer. But the other thing to know is that um, in Jerusalem, at least, we really use Get Taxi, yeah. which is um, the app GE. Oh, okay. So G-E-T-T, Get. And um, it's definitely worth having that on your phone because it's harder to, to flag down cabs than it used to be here. Okay. And it's easier to just call them on, you know, get them on the app and then it's paid for. Right. You, so you hook up your credit card and it all works together seamlessly. It's very yeah. nice experience. Um, we don't okay. really have Uber. Do you have Uber in Haifa? No, we have no Uber. There's also Yango. So we don't, I don't know about it. Yango's here. new. Yango's just get. Yango's yeah. new. Um, but get is super popular and, and it's good and it works all over the country. I use it. Yeah. I use it from like Haifa to Beersheba. I've used it. It's great. Okay. So how do you decide how to pick a tour guide if that's the route you want to go with? How do you know who's legitimate? So the truth is, I think your best bet is really taking recommendations from friends and family who okay. use tour guides. Um, but if you, if you're, let's say you're, you hear about a new tour guide and you don't have someone to ask specifically, I would say to them, what types of things do you do to make sure your the kids in the group are excited and entertained? And um, Definitely have a phone call with the tour guide. Don't just rely on emails or WhatsApps because as soon as you speak to them and you understand, do they have an accent? How do they, do they speak really quickly or really quietly? It's all going to affect your tour. So you really want to understand what their personality is like over the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And, and also like you need to decide I personally think it's really important to go traveling with a tour guide for certain things, but I think there are other things that you don't need a tour guide for. And, and that those could be activities and workshops, um, which exist all over Jerusalem. I feel so like a good to tour guide it. will say like, you need me for this. You don't need me for that. And just give you guidance, even if they're not totally necessary at that stage. A hundred percent. So if you're talking to your tour guide and he tells me, he tells you, you need me for everything and every tour should be guided, you should worry because I don't think in today's world that's the kind of tour guide, you know, that's going to be successful right. for a family at least. Yeah. Okay. So when you hire a tour guide uh, or, or an agency or anything, are there payment or tipping guidelines people should know about? So every tour guide has a different charge. They usually charge a day fee um, based on, uh, it depends also if they're the ones driving a car and driving you around or if they're hiring transportation to take you. Okay. Uh, many tour guides, if they're an official tour guide, they have the emblem of the Ministry of Tourism, which is like 
two men holding grapes. Okay. Like the a biblical yeah. picture <laughs> of walking into Israel. Um, and really, you should stick with the ones who are official. Okay. Um, and they go through a lot of training. I have a bunch of friends. Yeah, exactly. They go through a like lot to be of training. A, and you have to pass some te- a lot yeah. of tests. Like, yeah. it's serious. Yeah, it's totally serious. Um, and then... The pricing, though, will vary also very based on the time of year because the, the best tour guides get booked up for Sukkot or Pesach or the middle of the summer, and they might get booked up a year in advance. So okay. a tour guide is something you have to book very early. Okay. Uh, what do you think is the best? Oh, so well, you didn't say um, a tipping. Are we supposed to tip our tour guides? Um, I think it depends if the tour guide is a private privately run tour guide where they are, you know, you're in touch with them directly, or if you're going through a larger company that sets you up with a tour guide, then yes, you do tip the tour guide. If you're directly in touch with the tour guide, there's no need to tip them because they've given you, you know, a price that, which is the price for their time. But if you haven't, you know, an extra special experience, it's always nice to show appreciation by giving a tip. Um, Even the smallest tips are appreciated. Right. That's true. How many places should people plan on going in one day? So I always say, like, if you overextend yourself, it's too much and, you know, you don't want to be worn out. So I personally like to try to do, like, a small morning activity and a, like, medium-sized afternoon activity and then just chillax or vice versa or something like that. What do you think? So I agree. I think... um when traveling in Israel, assume that you don't want your day to start before 10 o'clock, your first activity, um, unless you're going to like Masada or something, because okay. Israeli breakfasts are so amazing in the hotels yes. and they end at 10. So why would you run out at seven in the morning and miss your Israeli breakfast? Um, <laughs> so I would say book your first activity for like sometime between 10 and 11. But I agree, a morning activity, definitely lunch break because it gets really hot here and you really need time to cool off drink your water, have something to eat, and then an afternoon activity. And I kind of like to give people the idea of just keeping a few ideas available for evenings so that if you finish dinner and then the kids want to go out and do something else, you've got a few things as backups that you could choose to do last minute. Okay. Um, But the restaurant scene, especially in Jerusalem and Tel Aviv, it's incredible. So going out to a restaurant for dinner is part of the activity. Exactly. It's exciting. It's very exciting to go out to eat here. Uh, what do you recommend is the best time to visit Israel? Personally, I think February and March, like right before Pesach, is the best time because it's still sunny. It's usually not raining every day anymore. And like it's warm, but not hot. So I agree. Yeah, definitely. Like one thing about the seasons here, it's like it's winter and the next thing you know, it becomes summer and spring is very (laughs) short (laughs) you gotta catch spring while you can um i personally love the time of like um end of may june okay it's not too hot yet and there are so many exciting festivals and holidays going on whether it's jerusalem day and people and there are parades or um shavuot and seeing hundreds of people or thousands of people walk to the hotel to the western wall in the middle of the night like these are things experiences that um, a lot of tourists don't think about. They think of coming for Pesach or Sukkot. But right. There are so many other holidays in the middle that are real experiences here. True. That's true. It's true. And that's, I think, the small little things that make things, like, remarkable. Yeah, and really memorable. Like, if you're walking 
at five in the morning. I remember that first experience of walking at five in the morning to the hotel. And then all of a sudden turning around and seeing like thousands of people behind me. I was like, oh my gosh, where did they come from? <laughs> but they come from all the different neighborhoods around and they all go yeah. into the old city. We were at the hotel um, one time um, over uh, Shabbat in the winter and we were staying at a hotel in the old city and my husband is a Kohen and he said like he took in like six or seven times that morning at the hotel <laughs> and it's like he's like I never did it so many times before all at once and it was like I don't know I think it was a little bit exciting for him um so it's funny another another travel tip that that reminds me of yeah. is I say to people um very often the first or second night you're going to be totally jet lagged and you're up in the middle of the night you're like oh my goodness I'm up my kids are up what are we going to do but go to the hotel. If you haven't been already, you can go 24 hours a day. If you go two, three o'clock in the morning, it's also a very memorable experience for your kids if they're wide awake anyway. Right. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It's a good experience. Okay. So how much money should people plan to bring in cash? What should they do about credit cards? So there are ATM machines everywhere. Um, really like all the major malls or tourist attractions have ATM machines. Um, I wouldn't walk around with too much cash at a time, especially if you're using, you know, a a phone app to use taxis and Mm -hmm. using a credit card for restaurants. You don't need a lot of cash. You know, it's, it's for a bottle of water here or there or a souvenir maybe. But even Um, so I find that most places take credit cards. Yeah. Yeah. American Express is a bit of a problem in some places, okay. um, which, which I find ironic because I have an American Express card that like gives me LL points and then <laughs> yet it's still not accepted in Israel <laughs> in certain places. That's but, funny. Um, yeah. But, and diners is a problem in a lot of places, okay. but MasterCard Visa, it shouldn't be a problem anywhere. Okay. And you should definitely plan on notifying your credit card company that yes. you're traveling so that they don't think it's fraud. For sure. Okay. Let's talk about maps. I, I kind of feel like maps are a little bit like touristy and signify to the general population that you're a tourist and maybe like an easy mark. But I also feel like you learn a lot from holding a map and, you know, is it worth the investment? Should we buy them before you come in America, or is there a good place to buy them in Israel, or should you buy one? Should you just rely on the free ones that you get from the hotel or the car rental or someplace like that? So I think maps also are really important. I think it teaches a really important lesson to your kids to be physically holding something and try mm-hmm. to navigate, as opposed to a lot of these um, phone apps, which will tell you where to go, but you don't have a sense of the whole area Direction. you're looking at. Okay. Yeah. But the maps you can get from a car rental place or hotel concierges are fine and they're really good. So you don't need to bring the map in advance unless you want to, you know, use that your time on the airplane coming over to just kind of familiarize yourself with the neighborhoods. But um, the maps are great. And like you, you really do learn a lot about how to get from one place to another and you see the whole city in one view. So I think you you should definitely, if you're staying in a hotel, you can get a map. And if not, you could even probably pop into a hotel and ask for a map. My favorite was always the streetwise maps because they're like laminated. So you can, they're they're really tough. Uh, And I always used to buy a map before I would go to a new city because first of all, it's a great like uh, trinket 
you know, afterwards. And I'm not like so sentimental and I'm not a huge, like, go buy stuff on trips kind of person. Uh, everybody who listens regularly will know that, but I love the map because it's like a great memento. I can always go back and reference it. They usually don't go bad. <laughs> I mean, right. things do change, but like it's, it's always good. You can check and see where things are and like remember your trip in that way. And I always, and that was something that I always liked to do and I felt was really exciting like looking at the map <laughs> so you know the, the other way another way to also keep your kids involved is you know buying little round um, circular stickers labels and then every time you go to another place let them put it on the map oh you know? that's and then great at the idea. end of the trip yeah at the end of the trip they could see all the different places they visited oh you are full of good ideas amazing <laughs> um okay so in israel it's essential to travel with water bottles hats sunscreen what else? Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely take a water bottle with you. There are plenty of places where you can buy more water along okay. the way. Actually, um, in Israel, it's great. You can get all the restaurants and like most public museums and stuff have like water refill stations even, like filtered water. Yes. Oh, so that's another thing is that tourists who are here for a short time sometimes don't like to drink tap water that's because true. it can mess with their stomachs. But um People who are here for more than a week, usually it's really not a problem. I think it's less and less of a problem. It's more of a wide scale from years and years ago. Ah. Um, but you can buy bottled water everywhere. So right. yeah. if you prefer the bottled water, uh, just make sure you stay. If, if you are particular about that, then stay away from ice. Because as soon as that ice melts, it's still tap water. Right, <laughs> right. True, true. Um, but also like sunscreen is so important. It's really, really hot here. But again, you can buy it everywhere every mall every pharmacy and their pharmacies all over town um it used to be that you felt like i better make sure i have all my supplies before i get to israel and i feel like i've seen a huge huge difference in the time when i was here when i was 19 versus now everything i need is here right so if you forget something at home you can buy anything that you need, but just make sure you bring your prescription medications because right. that's always good to have. A hundred percent. And if there's something like over the counter that you really love, I like, you know, some Advil or something just so you don't have to run out at the last minute, that's always a good thing. But like, if you really forget something, it's not a third world country. Right. Exactly. Like people come with their Neosporin and I love Neosporin, but we have many alternatives to Neosporin here at it that you can get over the counter. So that's true. It's true. Everything exists. Exactly. Okay. Is what else do we need to know to have a great travel experience in Israel that's organized where we don't feel overwhelmed? I think you got to, I think you need to mix up the types of activities you do because very often you can get stuck on saying, I'm going to do all the historical stuff. So I'm going to do a lot of museums and a lot of historical sites. But if you mix in with that some, you know, a woodworking workshop and a bread making workshop where you learn about bread in the Bible and a biblical museum of natural history where you can touch animals, you know, like a petting zoo and you can learn about animals from the time of Tanakh or from animals that were from this region, you're, you're mixing it up a bit. Okay. And you'll, you'll, keep, you'll keep everyone in your group excited about what's next. Also, you know, by, by staying informed, by, we actually have a newsletter that we send out. Um, and we have a bunch of ways that you can follow us. And when there's new information, for example, the Galita Chocolate Workshop, which is famous for being up north, opened okay. up a branch in Suba. Okay. And that's amazing. And it's been there for a few years already. And as of 
two years ago, it went Mahadrin and it's not open on Shabbos. So those are all bits of information that you need to know because if you're looking for a place that's got a Mahadrin chocolate workshop, Tuba is a great idea. Right, right. Um, Let's talk about, um, we should have talked about this before, but let's say you're making a simcha and you want to do something that's like volunteering. What Mm. are some things that you can do in, around Jerusalem, outside of Jerusalem? Um, We had already... um, uh, Leket talked to us on the fo- on the podcast a few weeks ago about volunteering for Leket. But what are some of the other things if you want to do volunteer opportunities with your family? So we actually have a whole section on the site just called volunteer activities because there are so many options in Jerusalem. Um, the most popular by far would be Pantry Packers, okay. which is um, run by Kolel Chabad, and basically it's a huge warehouse where you come. And you pack up bags of rice and beans and things into the single bags that get delivered to poor people around Israel. But the way they do it is so beautiful because they create a label that says this was packaged by, you know, Shmuel's bar mitzvah Mm -hmm. party. Um, And they personalize it. it. And they also have done it in a way where it's not like just using your hands, like they have kinds of all kinds of fancy machinery and each person is at a different station and they have a different job to do. So that's a great one. Okay. And there's an organization called Or Mayor and Bracha, which is based um, near in Arzeha Bira. And okay. they pack food baskets for poor people um, and for terror victims. And they do that every Thursday. Okay. So if you're in town on a Thursday morning, you can just email them and they welcome all the, the visitors to come and help them pack. Fabulous. Um, and, and there's, there are a lot of things like Yad Sara and Shalva both have programs for tourists who are coming in who want to see the work that they do. Okay. Um, at Shalva, you can do a candle workshop with Shalva. What is children. Shalva? Shalva is, is an organization for, sure, for children with um, mental and physical disabilities. Okay. And Yad Sara, and, my, one of my favorite Sarah, organizations. <laughs> yeah, they provide lots and lots of support, medical support for people in Israel who need um, whether it's you need a wheelchair or crutches or, and they've now done so much more bringing doctors to people's homes if they can't get to the doctor. And they have a really cool build your own Walker workshop. So oh, cool. A, yeah. As a group, you build a whole bunch of walkers and then they get donated to Yad Sarah. Wow. That's awesome. That's really cool. Okay. So what happens if you have varied ages on your trip? So did I say that right? What happens if you yeah. have varied ages on your trip? Like, how do you decide what to do? Because if you're traveling with grandma plus, you know, a three-year-old. So it's really, that is like the, the toughest question that I get often. Um, but I, there are a lot of activities that exist that work for all ages. Like, for example, let's say you wanted to do dig for a day, archaeological dig. A three-year-old is going to enjoy playing in the dirt. Um, in a different way that the 15-year-old who finds, you know, a piece of jewelry from ancient times while right. he's digging, you True. know, so like there are activities or like, again, this chocolate workshop, they've got something much more basic for little kids and more advanced for big kids, yet you sit at the same table. Oh, great. Okay. Um, yeah. So I think some of the extreme sports are a bit harder because it's harder for younger kids, but like, I work with a guy, he's one of my, the original tourism vendors I started working with who does snappling, repelling. Okay. And 
he's taken my kids rappelling down the walls of the old city, which is like so cool. That's so cool. cool. So when my youngest was still too little, he attached her to him and then went down. So she got the experience. And then my older kids were able to go on their own. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. They, they know how to gear their activities towards different ages, but definitely when you're booking, check to see what age it says. Because if it says six and up, they're serious about six and up. Okay. Okay. Great. Joanna, it's been a pleasure talking to you. <laughs> if people I didn't wanna... think I had so much to share. <laughs> <laughs> you did your wealth of information. What is the best way for people to reach you? So um, the website is funinjerusalem.com. And you can reach me by emailing Joanna, J-O-A-N-N-A, at funinjerusalem.com. Okay. Um, we also produce a magazine that goes out to the hotels and tourist spots every summer, Pesach and Sukkot. Okay. Um, I'm just finalizing it now. And, um, and it's also available online. So I would definitely say that's a great place to check for what's new. Okay. Um, and you can always email me. I'm the one who answers all the emails. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. If you want to reach Joanna by phone, you can call her at 1-855-386-5756. You can leave a message for her there, or you can reach out to info at funinjerusalem.com. For now, I am wishing everybody a wonderful week and happy organizing. Thanks for listening to the Journey to Organization podcast. You can find Rebecca on Twitter and Instagram at BalaGonBegon and on Pinterest as Rebecca Saltzman. Visit BalaGonBegon.com for resources and to join the mailing list to get podcast updates.